Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I just wanted to start off the evening with... uh, First of all, being a girl, I love gathering the girls because I can literally be a woman and the lights can go on and off and we can just flow with it. That's awesome. I don't know what's happening, but here we go. I love it because I can rabbit trail a little bit when I'm with a lot of women. So I promise I'm going to get to some notes, but before we jump in to the message tonight, I just want to give honor where honor is due. Um, I just really am a firm believer in honor and I think that God truly does honor that. And so first of all, I just want to recognize my amazing husband who's sitting here on the front row, Pastor Terry. Listen, the reason we're here tonight is because he has been a champion for and believed in me and, and he believes in you. And so I'm so grateful to be married to a man like that and movement church. You should be grateful for a pastor like that. And so we uh, just are giving honor to you tonight, babe. Thanks for being here. And I also want to honor some friends. So this is like girl time. So we have to connect for just a minute. So I need my pastor friends that are in the room because I've got a couple friends who literally came to join me. One of them from Vegas. So I need you to stand up so I can honor you. This is Lindsay Bosma. And Sabrina, you're going to stand too. This is Sabrina. She's from Oceanside. Chris, why are you not on your feet? I'm going to have to look for you all. This is Chris. Amy, you have to stand up. This is Amy Ming. She pastors here in Elisa Viejo. And so I'm honored you girls would come to spend time with us tonight and bring your crew. And so our, our She Collective nights are all about getting together with the girls. But the hope of these nights is that every single one of you finds a connect group to get connected in. Because there's something about relationships, right? Life change happens in the context of relationships. And so I don't know if you had fun talking to the girls around you. But I'm telling you, that's what a connect group can feel like. I actually wasn't supposed to lead a connect group and I got to lead one in the very back back here. These amazing girls. I told them I was going to brag on them because they just went there like immediately. They just jumped into it and were so vulnerable. And I love that because that is when you can actually build real relationships. And so I hope that not one of you will leave without finding a connect group to be a part of this next semester. And if you're here with one of my other friends' churches, listen, get plugged in in your groups because I'm telling you it will make such an impact in your life. So you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, I think that's all the like random stuff I wanted to talk about. So, (laughs) Hey, listen, I, I love this time that we get to come together and I just want to prepare you now and prepare your hearts. Now, um, we've got a little bit of time ahead of us. And at the end of tonight's service, I really feel like there's some of you that I want to pray for. And so I just want to prepare you because for some people that's like, oh, oh my goodness. And now you're going to be sitting in your seat. Your heart's racing. Like, is that me? Oh my goodness. Okay. Chill. Take a deep breath. I don't have to pray for you if you don't want me to. No big deal. But listen, I just want you to prepare your heart and really ask God, God, what do you want to speak to me tonight? Because, um, I, my whole direction for this She Collective Night was completely changed back in January or February. And I really believe that's because God has a word for you. And I believe that's why you're here. So I um, hope you're ready and excited and expectant and you have open hearts because we're going to just get real tonight. Um, <laughs> good. I'm glad you're ready. And I just am going to dive in with a story uh, you know, of a time in my life, and this is kind of funny, but it's real, and I'm embarrassed about it, of a story in my life when I felt like I had to be someone that I wasn't. And I just wonder if anybody in this room can relate to that. And maybe your story's funny, and maybe your story is really serious. I don't know. But for me, um, the first time I can remember ever having to be someone that I wasn't was in fifth grade. And I have a handful of young girls in the room tonight, and I hope you're listening in because tonight's message is going to be for you too. Listen, we're generation to generation. I believe God's going to do some amazing things in our young girls. And, and so I was in fifth grade, and I, I was really just struggling to fit in. And I had some friends, but they were like the cool friends, okay? And 
And they, um, they kind of set the standard for everyone in fifth grade. And don't worry, parents, like, I, I'm so sheltered, so sheltered. I'm not going to tell you anything awful here in a minute. It's just embarrassing, okay? Because <laughs> see the parents, they're like, oh, no, please. <laughs> I, I had some friends, and I just really wanted to fit in with the crew. And apparently, I found out that this young man in fifth grade named Brian Matthews was going to ask me out. Out where? I have no idea what in the world in fifth grade. Like, what does that even mean? But at that time, it was a really serious deal. And so I, I was like, kind of, I was kind of like, wow, that's sweet. But I also didn't like him very much at all. And so, and I was like, why? Like, what are we going to do? I was very practical at that moment. And, and so my friends gathered around me and I could tell you their names to this day, but I won't in case they listen to whatever we're recording. So they gathered around me and they were like, listen, here's what you're going to do. And they began to paint the picture of what I was going to do to this poor young man. They were like, you're going to tell him, yes, you would love to go out with him and you're going to pretend that you really like him. And then just when he gets excited about it, then you're going to say, I dump you. (laughs) How awful is that? And that is so not me. Like I broke a poor fifth grade boy's heart at some point in my life and I should repent. And I, I literally though, I was like, okay. And the pressure to be who they wanted me to be was so real. And I just think we can all relate with that. And I was so dumb. And I was like, yes, I'll go out with you. I dump you. It was so, it was like not even like timed well. It was not funny like they wanted it to be. It was this awful heartbreaking moment. And, and I just was thinking about that today when I was reflecting on what's the first time I remember that. But I, I can remember that for some of my kids. My, I have two girls. They're both here and I tell stories about them all the time. They can't help it. And, uh, I, I remember when Brooklyn was in kindergarten and she came home and she was so upset because this little girl in her class named Hallie, I'll tell her name, this little girl in her class named Hallie had made fun of her socks. And I was like, excuse me? Avery thinks that's funny. I was like, excuse me? She's like, Brooklyn was devastated. Like she was crying. This little girl had made fun of her socks and she was like not going to wear any of her socks to school anymore. Like it was, it was a really big ordeal. And I was like, excuse me. Your parents are the coolest parents that you know. We dress you really cool. We're not going to let you go to school in ridiculous looking socks. The ones that fold over and have ruffles on the bottom. I'm so sorry if any of you wore those. But we're not going to do that. And so I was like, what is she talking about? And immediately Carrie chimed in with some like real timely advice. I'm not going to tell you that part. That would be bad. And uh, and so we moved on and, and just encouraged her to go back to kindergarten and not quit school at such a young age. And, um, and she did. She's done good. Made it to eighth grade so far. So yes, praise the Lord. But, but there's these moments in our life that you can remember when, when you feel the pressure to be somebody that you're not, right? And so that song that I had them sing right after the video, um, This Is Me. Any Greatest Showman fans in the room? Come on. I know you were singing along. I love that song because I love the lyrics. And the beginning of it starts with, I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. And I just, I think that there's many of us as women in this room who have actually had statements like that made to us. Like, we, we can't handle your mess right now. Like it's, it's a little much. If you were to share that with somebody, they're going to write you off. So don't, don't share that. Hide away. We don't want your broken parts. And then it continues on. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away. They say no one will love you like you are. And I just, I feel like there's so many of us as women who have either, either had those words spoken or they're internal words that are playing in the soundtrack of our head. No one will love you like you are. Whatever that like you are might be for you. I don't know. And I just don't understand why we use words to inflict pain on people. But all of us are guilty. All of us have done something ridiculous like I did to poor Brian Matthews in fifth grade. I mean, all of us have said things and we've done things out of pain or out of hurt. And, and I wonder if it just makes us feel better about ourselves 
Or maybe our past and our pain has just become the lens in which we view everything and we're projecting our experiences onto other people. I don't know. It might be well-intentioned, but yet it's so wrong. And, and those words, no one will love you like you are, they might be some words that you've been having to wrestle through and feel the pressure to be someone that you're not because you feel like who you are is just not enough. You know, I have a friend, um, a church planting friend, and my husband and I have had the privilege to be a part of an organization called ARC, and they're a church planting organization, and they help pastors who are going to start churches get started. And so that's part of how we launched our church, and we've gotten to be a part of that organization. And, and so we've had the privilege to work with pastors who are coming in to plant churches. And so one of the times that we were working with these pastors, we actually were there to assess them, to decide whether or not this was the time for them to plant a church. That is a lot of pressure. And so we were there and we were meeting with this amazing couple and, and this amazing couple was so excited about the church they were about to plant. And the whole time we were talking, we could just sense the strength in both of them. And, and the, the woman who was there, she was just actually trying to minimize her role and minimize her role. And, and we kept saying, but w- what part are you going to play? And she kept deferring to her husband, deferring to her husband. And that was great. But we could just feel there was something like, what is this? Like this, this couple's so strong. What's going on with them? And we couldn't figure it out. But we, we said, yes, they need to plant a church. They're amazing. They're going to do a great job. But there's something going on. And we don't know what it is. And about three months later, this pastor friend, who's a good friend now, called. And she said... Actually, before I went into that assessment, I had another friend tell me that Ark doesn't like strong women. And if I come off as a strong woman that's going to be leading this church with my husband, they're not going to like it at all. So I just tried to downplay who I was. And I think my husband said, don't ever do that again, right? But why do people feel like they have to put us in our place? Why do people feel like they need to suffocate some of the strengths that are inside each and every one of us that or hide the broken parts of us? Because those are actually the parts that tell the story. I love the next lyrics say, but I won't let them break me down to dust. I want to sing so bad. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious, right? When the sharpest words, somebody help me, want to cut me down. I'm gonna I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Come on. I can't read the lyrics to that. Like I may not sing them well, but I just I couldn't. I tried to practice reading them and I couldn't. Like I sang them every time. Listen, I love those lyrics because it's saying, listen, I'm not going to let anybody put me down. I am brave. I am bruised because every single one of us has a story that is a little bit broken. Every single one of us has some stuff in our life that we're not necessarily proud of. But here's the thing that it's in our weakness that God is actually made strong. It's in the place of frailty. It's in the place of imperfection. It's in the place of fear. It's in the place of insecurity that we actually, if we'll find our identity in Christ, we actually begin to walk in the fullness of his strength. And if you've been around the movement church for a little bit, if you were at church on Sunday, I actually had the privilege to preach on Sunday and it was amazing how much the word, I'm not saying I was amazing. It was so good. It was so good. I'm not saying that, but the, the message really aligned with what I felt like God put in my heart for tonight. And the one word that I've had for our church is that this is the year to slay insecurity. This is the year to slay insecurity. Hashtag slay all day. Okay. Because some of us have to slay all day when it comes to insecurity because it's the constant soundtrack that's running through our head, right? And here's the deal. Every single one of us is women. Every There's not one of us that is exempt. Okay, your issue may not be somebody else's issue, but we all have issues. And if you think you don't have issues, that's your issue, right? We have to daily choose to overcome the lies of the enemy, every one of us. We've got to choose to shut down the whisper, 
that you're not pretty enough, that you're not thin enough, that you're not tall enough, that you're not short enough, that you're not loud enough, that you're not quiet enough, that you're not good enough. Every single one of us has a choice to make every single day to shut down the lies of the enemy, to slay insecurity and to actually begin to believe what God says about us. You know, there's a scripture I love and in Psalm 139 verse 13 through 16 in the passion translation, I love this translation. It makes it just beautiful. It says this, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside. Listen, my delicate inside and my intricate outside. What is that telling us? That every single one of us was created with this inner working inside of us, this delicate inside, our personality, our passion, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, the things that you love to do. Hey, God was shaping that before you were even born. You're delicate inside. And it says you're intricate outside. Look at somebody next to you and go, yes, <laughs> yes, you're intricate outside. It says, and wove them all together. <laughs> Sorry, pastor Carrie and wove them all together in my mother's womb. It says, I thank you, God for making me so mysteriously complex. And all the men in the room said, amen. <laughs> So mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place inside your mother's womb. It says you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I even became me. You guys, do you hear the words that are there? You saw who you created me to be before I even became me. You were fashioned with a purpose. Every part, inside and outside. He saw it. He knew it. It says, before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Listen, God already knows the good things that he has in store for you. He already knows the plans that he has for you. He knows how many days we have to be here on this earth. He knows it all. He formed it all. He planned it all. And I love this because it's this reminder that God has good things for each and every one of us, that our identity was actually predetermined and formed by our creator in heaven who loves you so much. He took the time to intricately put you together with all of your quirks and all of your personality and all of your passions. You have a God in heaven who designed you with a purpose and he's got a plan for you. And maybe you have been around church for a little while and you've heard the Bible story I'm going to tell, but I can't sum up hundreds and hundreds of years in a few minutes here. I'm not quite as good at Pastor Kerry as Pastor Kerry at that. Um, he did 60 seconds of Israel, 60 years of Israel's history in 60 seconds at our church. And it was brilliant. So I should have had him do like 500 years of Israel's history in Nothing. 50 seconds. <laughs> so I want to tell you about a group of people in the Bible. And this group of people were known as the Israelites. And the Israelites had been given a promised land. And the reason I want to talk about them is because in the Bible, we hear a lot about the promised land. And I just want to help you as a woman in the room today understand that when God designed you, and when that scripture says that he knew every day of your life before you were even born, there is a promised land for you. You were created for something special. And every single day of your life has been ordained before you. And you have to grasp that. You have to grasp that there is more ahead of you than there is behind you. That God actually wants to do something with your life. You're not just here to just exist. And so that's the reason we tell this story about the promised land. So these Israelites, we're going to pick up after they had been in slavery for 400 years. And some of us feel like we've been in slavery to some things for several years. And so the Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years. And then Moses comes. Maybe you've seen, uh, what's the movie called? The Prince of Egypt. Okay. 
Moses comes and he gets Pharaoh to let his people go. And the people of Israel begin to go on this pursuit of their promised land. So they're on this pursuit of their promised land. And as they're going, they are just determined. Like, finally, we've been in slavery for all these years. It's time for us to experience the good things that God has for us. And they're on this journey. And I just want to tell you that you're on a journey tonight. Every one of you. And I said this on Sunday, if you were at my church, but with every God opportunity, there is a giant sized opposition and you need to know that you need to know that there are so many things against you that are going to try to keep you from accomplishing the promises of God for your life. When we talk about a God in heaven who loves you, who created you with purpose, who has good plans for you, there is a real God and there is a real enemy and he does not want you to accomplish the great things that God has for you. He doesn't want you to walk in it. So you need to know with every God sized opportunity, there is giant sized opposition. You need to know that where there is advancement, there is adversity. And I just want to tell you, if you actually want to walk into the promises of God for your life, you need to know that resistance is around the corner. Resistance is around the corner. I'm telling you the very thing that God crafted you to do, the very gift that is on your life, the very purpose that you are here on this earth for is the very thing that will be the hardest for you to accomplish because the enemy does not want you to walk in the fullness of all that God has for you. And what limits us often is our own insecurities, our own insecurities. You know, these people of Israel, as they were making their way towards the promised land, they wandered the desert for quite some time. And we pick up in Numbers chapter 13, and I'm summing it up rather than read you the whole thing. But as we pick up in Numbers chapter 13, we find Moses. And it's time to go in and check out the promised land. And so he chooses 12 leaders from every tribe of Israel. He chooses 12 leaders and he says, I want you to go and spy out the promised land. I want you to see how good it is. I want you to bring the report back so that we can hear about it. So we can get the people excited about it. And so those spies, they went and they did the job that Moses gave for them to do. And then they came back. And they came back with a report and the report was, it is amazing, amazing. They were like, the land really is everything that God said it would be. It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't understand why the Bible said that, but in that time it made sense. It sounded really good. Milk and honey does not sound great to me right now, but I will tell you this. They talked about the giant sized grapes that they found in this land. And I can think of a few good things to do with some giant sized grapes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. So they came and they were like, this is a good land. The promised land is everything God said it would be. It really has everything that we need it to have. And then they said, but how many of you know, our big butts get in the way sometimes, (laughs) but They said it's full of giants. It's full of giants. It's surrounded by enemies. All the Ittites. Okay, there's lots of them in the Bible. It's surrounded by all of them. And it's full of giants. And all of a sudden, two of the spies, they stand up, Caleb and Joshua. And they're like, yes, it is. But guess what? God has given us this land. And so we should go in and we should possess it. And they're excited about it. But the other 10 spies are like, "Mm -mm." they're like, no way. And so Caleb and Joshua, they're so excited. They're like, we've got to do this. And I just want to be your Caleb and Joshua tonight. Okay, girls, I want to be your Caleb and Joshua and tell you there is more. There's more. Listen, you came here tonight thinking you're just here for a fun girls night. Maybe sing a few songs, hear a message, get in a connect group, go home. I'm telling you, there's more. There's more. There is more to your life than the fullness that you've experienced thus far. There is more. God ordained every day of your life and no one is dropping dead in here right now. So I think there is more. There is more. There is more. The Bible says that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. That means we're meant to live a full life. But what happened here in this Bible story is those 10 spies, they were dealing with something. In Numbers 13, verse 31, it says, But the men who had gone up with him said, 
We can't attack these people. I just imagine them waving their hands, but that's kind of girly. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak from Nephilim. Listen, they're talking about giants, and that's all they can talk about. And then they say this statement. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The sound of insecurity. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The sound of insecurity. Listen, people will treat you how you see yourself, how you treat yourself. If you don't see yourself the way that God sees you, you're going to write yourself off. You're going to discredit and disqualify yourself because you don't think you have what it takes. And that very premise, that whole idea is putting all of the stock in yourself. I told our church on Sunday, insecurity starts with an I and properly so because it's all about me. It's me viewing myself through my lens, who I think I am, what I say about me, what I think I can do. That is the lens of insecurity. And 2 Corinthians 6.11 says this, Paul's writing. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, but I might say, dear, dear, she collective girls. I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes where? From within you. Listen, this is often the biggest battle we will ever face. The struggle from within me. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in small ways. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Don't hate me with great affection. Open up your lives, girls. Live openly and expansively. I'm doing a little bit of a repeat here, but listen, I told our church on Sunday, you've got to begin to rehearse not what you say about yourself, but what God says about you. Listen, you've got to begin to get it inside of you. My daughter, Avery, I know some of you have heard the story. She's in the Shrek musical and she got a CD and she has been practicing those songs only in our car. That's the only place I have a CD player. And so she's been practicing those songs over and over and over again. So much so that my whole family can sing those songs. Are you ready? There's a princess in a tower. Oh my gosh, she's just like me. I'm going to stop there. Yeah, needs a haircut, but the witch won't set her free. You like that? All right, no more singing. No more singing. But listen, I know the song because she's been rehearsing it over and over and over again. And when she gets up to perform, she will know every song in that musical because she has been rehearsing it. So we have got to, in order to slay insecurity, stop rehearsing what I have to say about me, the lies of the enemy about me, and start rehearsing what God says about me. we got to begin to get it inside of us. Listen, the word of God says I'm more than a conqueror. The word of God says, like the song we sang earlier, I am chosen. I'm forgiven. I am a child of God. That's why we sing those songs to remind ourselves. We got to remind ourselves sometimes that this is who we are, right? And I want to give you a couple resources. So if you have your phone on you right now, you can text the word. I am to the number they're going to put somewhere. There it is. I am, you can text that, and I'm going to give you 40 different statements that the Bible says about who you are. You can take these home. You can rehearse them like Avery rehearses the Shrek musical. You can begin to learn who God says that you are. Text I am to that number. And then you can text the word she is. Because earlier today, you heard a video of some girls declaring who she is. And I almost wasn't going to do this, but this is on my mirror at home. Every single morning I see it, and every single morning I read it, and this is the declaration for the women of our house. And it says, she is loved. She is valued. She is confident. She is a learner and a leader. She is an overcomer. She is tender yet fierce. 
She is purposed and focused. Strength and dignity are her clothing and her position. And who she is, is who we are. Listen, girls, we are confident and secure because our identity is in Christ. We are for one another and not against one another. We need that now more than ever. We are for one another and not against one another. We are lifelong learners and leaders. We are overcomers who will not be defined by our circumstances. We choose joy over fear. We choose peace over worry. We are uncompromising in our faith. We are determined in our purpose. We are activators of potential both in ourselves and in others. And we will declare the goodness of the Lord from generation to generation. Come on, somebody. We've got to begin to rehearse who God says we are so that we can slay insecurity and possess the promised land. I'm telling you, the biggest battles you will have to fight are the battles inside your own mind. Ephesians 2, 7 through 10 says this, and you guys can go ahead and bring me my, my prop because I'm about to do something real fun. Get ready, get ready. Ephesians 2, 7 through 10. It says, now God has us where he wants us. Listen, I believe God has you where he wants you tonight. Right now in this moment. You may not know why you're here. In fact, you know what? You may be here wrestling with your faith, and that's okay. Permission to belong before you believe. Listen, I believe God has you right where he wants you tonight. Keep it right there, not up on that thing. Come further this way. I'm going to help you boys out. There we go. Right there will work. Awesome. Thank you. God has us right where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next. Listen, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I could use a little extra measure of grace sometimes. I really could. I need the grace of God. I am not good enough on my own. I need him. And I love that he says he has us right where he wants us. And listen, he is so patient with every single one of us, waiting and ready to shower us with grace and kindness. And it says saving is all his idea. And it's all his work. All we have to do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Listen, you can't do anything to earn the grace of God. It is a free gift for you and me. We don't have to get everything together first. It is a gift from God. And I'm telling you, this is reminding us the reason it's a gift from God is because if we thought we could do it all on our own, we'd end up doing everything on our own. And God wants to be a part of every intricate detail of our life. So listen, it continues. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work that we better be doing. Work that we better be doing. Listen, there is a design for each and every one of you. There is a God design on your life. There is a gift of God inside of every single one of you. And sometimes we've just got to begin to explore what is that? God, what do you want to do with my life? And I felt like God gave me this word picture about how we operate in this sometimes. And I just want to share it with you. I don't know if you remember being in preschool, but one of my favorite things to do in preschool had to do with glue and glitter. Come on, somebody. If you are my friend, you should know that I'm going to show up with glitter. It's contained. Nobody panic. They're all very scared about this right now. I'm not going to spill glitter all over the place. I don't think. I don't think. But listen, I have this pretty little picture. There was a tiny bit of glitter on it. I have this pretty little picture. And it's a design, right? And I believe that each and every single one of us has been designed by God. Every single one of us has been given a, a blueprint for our life. God, when he made us, when he created us, like that, that verse we just read earlier, that when he made us in our mother's womb and he designed us, he actually designed us with purpose. And he gave us the ability to color our world a little bit. Okay? I really do believe that God said, here you are. 
You're designed with purpose. The unique personality that you have, the passions that are inside of you. Listen, the dreams, girls, that are inside of your heart. I believe that God placed them there. But so many times we silence those. So many times we minimize the things that we feel like God has called us to do. So many times we minimize who we are. And I picture a child in their preschool class who's been given a picture. And they've been given the glue. And they get to put the glue onto the picture. And as they put the glue onto the picture, I just picture some kids really struggling with this process because they're a little bit timid. They're a little bit afraid. What if I mess up? What if it's not perfect? What if it doesn't look good? What are people going to think about it when they see it? And I, I wonder how many of us live our lives a little bit timid, a little bit insecure, worried so much about what other people think that we actually don't step into the fullness of all that God has for us, that we don't experience some of the beauty and the creation and the dreams that God actually created us to experience. I wonder how many of us are like that. And so we just add a little bit, you know, we'll just do a little bit of glue and, and we'll be careful. And, and maybe some of us, we're actually just so concerned about others that we go to add the glitter and we're like, well, just a little bit. I'll just do a little bit. I, if I do too much, it might be too much. I don't know what people think about that. Or you know what? Other people need to use the glitter. So I'll, I'll just take a little bit and, and that's good. And there's some, there's some kids that are like that. Hey, listen, there's some kids that are a little bit too lazy to actually put the glue and the glitter on the paper. You laugh, but this is metaphorical. <laughs> hey, sometimes we've been given a life designed by God with a purpose to walk out that God's waiting for us to walk into, but we're like, maybe tomorrow, not today, maybe tomorrow. And so we live this life and we marginalize what God could actually do with us. And you know, the picture turned out pretty. It's a pretty star, but there's lots of glue that's missing glitter. There's lots of places still that that could be colored in. And, and I just wonder how many of us are battling insecurity so much and so caught up with what people are going to think about us, what people are going to say if I pursue the dreams that are in my heart. Listen, young people, my teenagers and my kids, I wonder how many of you have felt in your heart that you need to share Jesus with your friends, but you've been a little bit scared. Hey, moms, young people, old people, I don't know where you fit. I'm going to stay young forever. Yeah. Wherever you fit. How many of us have been timid about speaking up about our faith because we're so worried about what people are going to think? How many of us have marginalized our life and marginalized our purpose because we're so bound by insecurities and we're so burdened by, I'm not sure I'm good enough. I just wonder how many of us have lived there. And then the other side of the story is the kid in preschool who operates a little bit like me with the glitter. Glitter! Glitter! Glitter, 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 I don't want to see the paper anymore. No more paper. I just want all glitter. All glitter. And some of us in this room, we're a little bit extra. I'm just saying. If you don't know what extra means, you can get schooled by a teenager or you can look it up in Urban Dictionary. It's like extra dramatic or something like that. Anybody want to help? I had a friend the other day. I texted her. I was like, I'm having so much FOMO. And she goes, what's FOMO? Oh, never mind. I looked it up in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> and some of you are like, what's FOMO? Fear of missing out. All right, moving on. We'll school you later in, in words. Lexi and Brooklyn will help. They help me all the time. Okay, listen, some of you are just a little bit extra. You may have walked in and you hear me talking about insecurity and you're like, I'm good. I'm confident. I got stuff going on. I've got it. I've got it happening right now. And you're, you know what? That's awesome. Because I'd rather deal with extra confidence than none at all. Because we can work with that. Okay. But some of you need to evaluate where in your life you've been a little bit extra. Because some of you might be looking at the people around you and so competitive with everyone that you're like, I need to have more glitter than they have. I need to have more glitter than and so competitive. So you compare yourself with everyone and try to prove why you're better than everybody else. 
So I need more glitter. And then somebody goes to borrow your glitter and you're like, mm -mm, that's not yours, that's mine. You're like, I'm not sharing. I'm, some of you, and I know, you're, I know you're following with me. Listen, this is where mean girls get started, okay? I don't want our church to be full of mean girls. In fact, it's a mission of mine. At the Movement Church, we don't do drama. Hey, listen, note to self, if you do drama, I don't do drama. I don't, okay? Because listen, we, we have a limited amount of time on our hands that God has placed us here in this world. And we have something that we actually need to accomplish with our lives, and that does not involve belittling other people around us and trying to feel better about ourselves by tearing somebody else down. And I'm telling you, some of you high school girls need to get this in your head because, listen, just because you get mad at somebody doesn't mean you get to snub them. Just because you're frustrated at someone, when they come into a room, you don't get to go... <clears throat> And walk away. Y'all, I didn't think it happened. It happens. It is ridiculous. And you know what? Some of you adults do it too. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about because you've done it to your husband. You're mad at him. You're mad because he's done something you didn't like. And he comes in and tries to be flirtatious with you. And you're like, like that's going to tell him what's wrong. Actually get brave enough to have a conversation with someone. Okay. Let's not be extra. Let's not be the kind of women who are extra because sometimes that kind of confidence is actually just pride and pride is an inflated form of insecurity. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So don't be extra, but listen, I am going to tell you this, that I would rather come in and we're going to pretend this is the confidence of God. Okay. And I'd rather come in with the confidence of God. And just be a little bit extra for a minute because you know what? God has a way of handling that on his own. In my early 20s, I had finally begun to deal with some of the insecurities that I'd battled all my life as a teenager. And, and I was finally walking in some confidence of who God had called me to be. And I'd recognized some of the gifts that were in my life. And, and I was like, I can do this. And so I began to, to roll back my shoulders and be like, I can do this. And I began to get confident that any situation I could go into, we were going to change the world. And I was bold and I was brave. And I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with that, but I can tell you what happened for me. What happened for me is I began to rely on some of my own strengths and not the strength of God. And ladies, maybe some of you've been here and you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been here, that's okay. It's coming. I just want to tell you, there comes a time that every teacher walks around. Don't panic. <laughs> He's closing his eyes. Every teacher walks around and they go, well, that's nice. And you're like, isn't it amazing? Aren't I amazing? Look at all my glitter. It's covering the entire page. And that child is so excited about their glitter, walking in confidence about that situation. And what does the teacher come along and do? They come along and go, okay, now we're going to shake the glitter. And the kids go, no, my glitter. But some of us have found ourselves in that same place with God where we felt like we dealt with some old insecurities. We felt like we'd finally begun to walk in confidence. And then came a moment of shaking. And the thing about shaking is it always reveals what needs to be revealed. It's pretty, isn't it? I made it earlier. <laughs> I like glitter. <laughs> I'm Megan. I like glitter. <laughs> hey, listen. Some of us need to know that glitter sticks to you when you touch it. That there's a shaking that's coming. But the shaking is not meant to hurt you. And the shaking is not meant to defeat you. And the shaking is not meant to destroy your confidence. But the shaking is going to happen. And, and I just want to encourage somebody in the room that maybe is struggling with, I thought that I'd already dealt with this. I thought that I was past this. I, I thought that I had dealt with these insecurities and here they are just surfacing again. And there's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 27. Y'all can come grab my mess. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 through 27 says, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken that is the things that have been made 
in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Listen, when we talk about battling insecurity, when we talk about dealing with the lies of the enemy, God wants us to begin to walk in the confidence of who he says that we are. But I want to challenge you, ladies, that there's going to come moments in our life where we're going to go through a shaking because God is refining us and making sure that within that God confidence, that none of the self-confidence remains because the self-confidence is just going to get us focused back on me, focused back on I, which is going to lead to another repetitive round of insecurity. James one, two through four says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, I hate this verse. When you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Listen, I believe that there's some women in the room today that maybe you feel like you've been going through a shaking. You just feel like, like you felt like at one point you were on the right track and you had everything together and you thought you were moving in the right direction, but now it's just all up in the air. It's like that piece of paper. You just feel like your life is just doing this to you because everything is not as it should have been. And I just feel that there's some people here who might be going through a shaking, but the thing about a shaking is that if we can patiently endure the shaking, if we can consider it pure joy when we walk through trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of our faith is developing something inside of us, it's producing something inside of us. And this is the character of God that he so desperately wants for us to get. He so desperately wants for us to get this. And if we can begin to endure the shaking, and allow God to remove any self-confidence and fill us up with God confidence, we can walk in the fullness of all he's created us for. So listen, I want to challenge you ladies. If that's you and you identify with that today, don't shrink back. Don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream again. You feel like you've just been shaken and all the glitter's gone. The glitter's not gone. It's just in the bottom of the tray. We just need to add a little more glue. Put it on there again. Listen, I want to tell you, it's time to get your ask back. I said ask. (laughs) It's time to believe again. It's time to pray. I got to clarify, we're in church. Listen, consider the shaking pure joy because you know that God's developing something inside of you. Amen? Amen. I'm getting ready to close. And in fact, I I told the band to come later, but they can come now. And I don't need you yet, Pastor Joe, but I'll call for you when I need you. So get ready. (laughs) I'm just bossy today, aren't I? I'm sorry. It's because I'm in a room full of girls and I feel like we can have fun. All right. This balloon right here. Look around the room. There's balloons everywhere, right? This balloon was created with a purpose. It was created with a purpose. And, and I believe that this balloon represents so many of us in this room. It has so much potential. This balloon was created to fly. Can you put this on the floor? This balloon was created to fly. And the thing about this balloon is it's kind of pointless right now, isn't it? So it's created with a purpose. God had something for this balloon when he made the man that created balloons. I don't know, or the woman, whoever it was. But this balloon has purpose and potential. But this balloon is deflated. And I actually just wonder if there's some women who walked in the room tonight feeling like this balloon, a little bit deflated, a little bit discouraged. Maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot a bit. Maybe something or someone Or some circumstance has just taken all of the joy out of you. All of the air out of you. Maybe you came in feeling discouraged. Maybe some of you were nervous to come tonight to be around a bunch of women. Because you've been in environments like this before and it just hasn't gone well for you. Maybe you're living with a lack of fulfillment because you just haven't been filled. And I just want to tell you God has something for you tonight. And there's also another kind of woman, and and I'm going to need some help, and I think, Pastor Kerry, I'm going to need your help. Can you just blow this up for me? Thanks. It's all right. Some of you walked in the room. You can keep blowing. (laughs) Maybe one more. 
Good job. Can you tie it off? Some of you walked in the room and you are self-inflated. And you came in tonight and maybe you're just full of a little hot air. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I mean, I'm just going to be real with y'all tonight. Hey, listen. Pride is inflated insecurity. Pride is inflated insecurity. And you know the thing about this balloon is it looks really good. It looks really pretty. And maybe some of you have just been battling with trying to convince yourself how awesome you really are. Trying to look really good so that you could feel really good. Trying to keep your whole act together so that nobody knows what's actually going on under the surface. So that nobody knows the pain that you actually are dealing with or the loss that you might be walking through. The broken relationship that nobody knows about because you've kept it a secret. Because you're so afraid of what people are going to think and and you're full of hot air. And I just want to challenge you, this balloon was made with a purpose. It was made with the potential to fly. But when we do the work of having to blow it up ourselves, trying to make us look good, trying to make us look like we've got everything all together, let me just tell you, it's a lot of work to keep this balloon in the air. It's a lot of work. I have to constantly be focused on it, which means I have to constantly be focused on myself. And as I'm constantly focused on myself, I could end up really stepping on somebody else's toes, hurting somebody's feelings. I could end up getting demanding, hit the, hit the balloon, keep it up, keep it up, get it back, somebody, get it back. Awesome. I could end up getting demanding in my relationships with the people around me because I'm full of hot air. And I'm trying so hard to look the part. And I'm trying so hard to fit in and look like I've got it all together. But actually, this is a lot of work for me. And I just want to tell you that pride is an inflated form of insecurity. And when I started out talking about insecurity, you might have been like, no, I think I've dealt with that. But when you begin to get the picture of me trying to do everything on my own, it actually doesn't work out in the long haul. But I believe what God wants to do is he wants to begin to fill us. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says this. Pastor Joe's bringing me a prop. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, those who think they can do it on their own. How many of us think that sometimes? Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but they never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Listen, obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious and free life. Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking more about themselves than about God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Listen, insecurity, pride, whatever it might be, it's all focused on me. But what God wants to do is actually breathe into your life. He wants to breathe his spirit, his purpose, just like the helium that filled this balloon. Why? Because this balloon was created to fly. This balloon was created with the potential to fly really high in the sky. And you were created with a purpose. Every single one of you was designed by God to do the good works which he planned in advance for you to do. But my question is, have you been so absorbed in self that you've been missing it? Have you been so absorbed in self that you've been missing the purpose and the plan of God for your life? Because what I think God wants to do in this room today, young girls, older girls, all of you, I believe that God wants to actually fill us with his presence, just like this balloon is filled with helium so that in the right time and in the right season, this balloon can begin to soar to the heights it was created for. But if you notice, there's a string attached and some of you don't like the string. 
because you hate being tethered. I hate being tethered, but I'm telling you, God's timing is perfect. He's never late and he's never early. And when you begin to get frustrated with the timing of God, you're tempted to pop this balloon and blow up your own. And I'm telling you, you're going to miss out on the fullness of all that God has for you. But if you can be patient with the rope that you are tethered to and trust in the God who will never let you down, this balloon begins to go higher and higher and higher until it reaches the fullness of the potential that God has for it. And that's the same thing for our lives today, ladies. I'm telling you, there are great things ahead of you. I know this because the word of God says that it is true. The word of God says that it is true. The Bible says in Galatians 5.25, since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold on to it as an idea in our head or a sentiment in our heart, but let's work out the implications in every detail of our lives. Listen, that means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another one worse. We have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. Can I get a hand clap for that? I'm telling you girls, it is time to embrace the fullness of all that God has for you. It is time to slay insecurity. It is time to begin to step into purpose. It is time to begin to stop being so perfectionistic that you think you have to have it all together before you start serving God. It's time to stop being lazy and saying, I'll do it tomorrow. It's time to stop looking at something and overanalyzing, overanalyzing, but just to trust that God has a plan for you. And it's time to walk in it. But listen, we can't be extra and we can't be drama on the way. We've got to let self-confidence go and God confidence rise up inside of us because God has a plan for us. He has a plan for us. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for a couple people in this room, but I just want to close with a story. Because I, I felt God put this so strongly in my heart. Every one of you women walked in tonight looking so beautiful. I love the glam station that was out there, whether you chose to put on lips or not. Red lips don't look good on me. I envy those of you who it does in a godly way. I, don't know. I think it's great. All of you look beautiful. You, you all are unique. Each of you was created with purpose, with potential. There's, there's the delicate inside and the intricate outside of every single one of you. And, and all of us, we actually need to hear that. You know, when my, my daughter Avery, when she was a baby, God blessed me with two girls. He knew that I would want to dress them up. That's the bottom line. Glitter, glitter. He knew I'd want to dress them up. And when Avery was about two years old, I'll never forget, I had her on my bathroom counter. And she had short, short, short hair, but I could manage to get it into two little pigtails. And, and we got it into two little pigtails up on top of her head. And we put these little flower clips in, and we put this cute little sundress on top of her. And, and she was so excited about how cute she looked. <laughs> she, was, she was in the mirror doing this number. She was so excited. And then we heard the garage door open. And the garage door opened, and she knew that her dad was home. And with her little tiny legs, she just like ran as fast as she could to get to the back door where her dad was coming in. And as soon as he opened the door, she stood there and she grabbed the sides of her dress and she did this number. And Carrie dropped his things and he said, babe, you are so beautiful. And she just lit up with this huge smile and ran and threw her arms around his neck and hugged him so tight. And she just loved the praise and the adoration of her dad. And that hasn't changed now in our house. We all, we're all like, how do I look? He's like, you look beautiful. All three of us girls. But now in this season, it's, it's not just how do I look, but it's, it's his belief in her too. What is he proud of her for? And when, when Carrie begins to share the things he's proud of Avery for accomplishing, she lights up on the inside. 
And you see, I don't know your story. I know that I was blessed to be raised in a family where my parents really believed in me. And I was loved very well by my father. He'd wake me up in the morning. He was always the one to wake us up because he was a little bit kinder than my mom. <laughs> I love you, mom. He would he'd champion me in anything I decided to do. I'll never forget I wanted to be in this play. And it was miles away from where we lived. It was like 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back. And, and every practice twice a week, my dad would drive me there because he believed in me. And he championed the dreams that were in my heart. And before he passed away, I'll never forget when he was sick. I remember where we were standing in my parents' living room when he said, Megan, I don't know, I don't know how you're so confident. He said, I, I don't know how you, you're so confident and you accomplish anything that you set your mind to do. And, and he just said, I'm so proud of you. And what shocked me in that moment was that my confidence and, and my ability to press on in difficulties, my belief in myself, my full identity in Jesus is because my dad and my mom believed in me and they pointed me to Jesus every day of my life, every day of my life. And, and that's what made me who I am today. And then I married an incredible man. And listen, we're far from perfect. I don't mean to paint the illusion of perfect. We're far from perfect. We fight more than the average couple. You just don't know it. We're both too strong for our own good. It's true. But the one thing I've never doubted is I've never doubted Carrie's love for me. I've never doubted how much he believes in me. He sets me up to accomplish the dreams that are in my heart and the purpose for my life. He sets me up for that. And as I was thinking this through, I thought, I know that I'm blessed. I know that I am. But even in this moment, I just wonder how many of you are sitting there feeling like, I wish I had that. And you feel a void of affirmation. Maybe you feel a void of, of love. Maybe it's from a father. Maybe it's from a husband. Maybe it's a relationship that you've been in and you just feel this void. Like, I don't really know who it is who believes in me. And it's actually even hearing what I'm sharing with you today is kind of a pressure point for some deep-rooted pain. And as I was praying for tonight, I was praying that tonight will be a night of freedom. I want you to know that the reason you can walk in the confidence of your identity is because you have a father in heaven who won't leave. He won't walk out. He created you with purpose. He believes in you. He affirms the dreams that are in your heart. He thinks you're beautiful. He literally desires time with you. And some of you may not have known that from an earthly father, and some of you may not know that in a relationship, but I'm telling you there's a God in heaven who loves you, and that's what tonight's about. And he champions you, and he believes in you. And I don't want any woman to leave this room tonight, this place tonight, with actually beginning to understand what that feels like. The verse for this entire night was based out of Ephesians 3, chapter, verse 18. It says this, Then... You will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding this extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. You know, I don't want anyone to leave here tonight without knowing what that is. And I'm just going to ask them to, 
to bring the lights down in the house. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room just to take a moment and to close your eyes. I believe that tonight in this room, there's some people here who, who need to know the love of a father. And there's some of you in this room who've never actually accepted that love. There's some of you here who maybe you've been wrestling with your faith and you need to know that there's a God in heaven who is pursuing you. And it's not by accident that you're here tonight. But the gift of God, the grace of God, requires a decision on our part. Not a decision to get our life all together and perfect, but a decision to receive. To open our hands and say, God, I need you. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And some of you here tonight need to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, to stop trying to do it all on your own. And I want to pray for you right now. And I'm not going to make you get out of your seat. I'm not even going to ask you to, to raise your hand right now. But I'm, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if that's you and that resonates with your heart, if you're here and today is a day you need to make a decision to stop trying to do it on your own and to surrender your life to Jesus and let him be in control, I just want to ask you to pray this prayer with me in your own heart and in your own mind right now. And let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've tried to do everything on my own. And tonight, I'm making a decision to follow you. Thank you for what you've done for me. And all around this room, if that's you, and today is your day, I just want these words to be the simple cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.